Good morning. Can I ask you if you have your Bible to be turning to Numbers chapter 13? Numbers chapter 13, and we'll begin there in just a moment. A few uh, items of housekeeping before we begin. First and foremost is I need to, of course, apologize for my voice uh, this morning. It is at camp level, although it was worse a few days ago. Uh, Thursday morning, we were having a singing there with the kids, and uh, I was trying to squeak out the words, and Hannah looked at me and said, I think you just yodeled uh, while you were singing, and that was not my intention, but uh, that's the way it came out. So this is an improvement. <clears throat> I've tell, been telling everyone, uh, our kids were pretty good yesterday at home, so I didn't have to yell at them a lot, so I rested my voice uh, some, but it's recovering, but this is usually how it sounds after camp. Uh, thankfully, not so much from yelling at kids and, and uh, trying to get them in trouble, but we have a big time just uh, playing, having a good time, enjoying a great week together, uh, hooping and hollering through the sports and the things that we do, and we, we had a great week, uh, a really good week together. Uh, the one note that I don't know that it's been mentioned officially here, of course, but uh, about from the pulpit, but we were very thankful that on Thursday night Tallulah Wilson uh, was baptized for the remission of her sins, and we were thankful to take part in that and very excited to, to share that with you all. And uh, it was sort of a, a fitting in, a good end to just a really great week together, both not only in the fun that we had and the fellowship, but also in the study, the time that we studied there together. Uh, I will share with you that I had one moment of concern on Thursday night, or on Thursday afternoon, Faith came out with her sisters uh, and with Casey, and they came and visited us and were there for the evening worship and things. And Faith said, I don't mean to scare you, uh, she said, but I think you may have been fired and don't know it yet. She said, they announced Wednesday night that they have changed all the locks and while you were gone. And she said, not only that, she said, but I'm pretty sure it was stated publicly that new keys were already made for the elders and the deacons, and she said, and for me. But they didn't mention your name about getting one for you. So, so I'm not trying to tell you or scare you, um, but I'm just going to tell you, you may, may be expecting that when you get back. So, but, of course, if you know Faith, that's, she, was, she couldn't wait to get there and tell me that. So um, do want to make one mention of one other thing, uh, and that is that Miss uh, Dawn texted me uh, this morning or texted us and let us know that Miss Nina had a rough night, had a bad allergic reaction. They were up. Uh, through most of the night with her, and so they wouldn't be with us this, with us this morning. I forgot to get that to Mr. Joe. Uh, so if you could add Miss Nina Templeton to your prayer list. Uh, one other thing is if you have your bulletin in front of you and you're going to be following along, uh, I guess because the preacher was at camp or because the bulletin was done early, but this is the week of typos. Uh, two typos are there, both in the uh, announcements. One's a little more important than the other. Not the announcements, excuse me, but the titles. Uh, one's more important than the others. The title for the lesson this morning was supposed to be Giants and Grasshoppers. That's not necessarily that important, but I thought I'd make mention of that. You'll see, of course, as we get into Numbers 13 in just a moment, at the bottom, tonight's or this afternoon's lesson, it's a little more important. We're going to talk about Bible study, but the title of the lesson was actually supposed to be Five Characteristics of Bad Bible Study. And sometimes it helps us when we look at negative things to think about how we can improve in a positive light. And so if you can be back with us again at 1.30, we're going to look at five characteristics of bad Bible study and certainly how we can avoid those habits or characteristics. And I did double check, of course, as soon as I saw them, and I sent them to Faith wrong, so it's not her fault. Uh, but those are just two typos we had there. But we hope you can be back with us again this afternoon at 1.30 for that study because I think it will be beneficial even as we look at the negative a little bit there. When we think about Numbers chapter 13 and 14, it's no doubt this is a story that you are familiar with. As we go back through the history of the children of Israel, for almost 400 years, the sons of Israel were in Egypt. 
you, if you remember the history, there were 70 people that are mentioned there in the beginning. And from 70 people, they grew to a great nation of almost, we assume, kind of guess, around 2 million people. Then there was a Pharaoh that arose who did not know Joseph and enslaved the Hebrews. The Lord remembered, of course, though, the promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And with a mighty hand, he displayed his power through ten plagues. And, of course, then he delivered Israel through the Red Sea from their bondage. They journeyed south after that to Mount Sinai. And over a year, they camped there at Mount Sinai while Moses received the law from God. Then Israel marched south toward the promised land of Canaan. And this was the land that 400 years prior, the land that was flowing with milk and honey that was promised by God to the people. The Lord instructed Moses to send spies out into the land. In Numbers 13 and verse number 2, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. Notice that the Lord had already given Israel the land, yet they had still had to go in and possess the land. I hope that you have a Bible handy or that you're following along because we're going to be reading several scriptures as we get uh, through this story and make application for ourselves. The 12 spies were sent out in Numbers chapter 13, verses 21 through 25. So they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. Going down a little further, then they came to the valley of Eskal, and there they cut down a branch with one custer of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. And the place was called the Valley of Eskal because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Hopefully you're familiar with this. Again, we teach our children this from a young age, the story of the 12 spies. Now, as we go through the outline, of course, I'll try to give you, uh, if you're following along, give you the blanks there as we go through since we don't have the projectors up just yet. But we begin noticing, first of all, in this story, the report. What is the report? The report is, number one, the giants. That's the first set of blanks there if you have your bulletin, the giants. We read in Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the south, the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Go forward to verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak that came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Now here's the synopsis of the report. The ten spies admitted that the land was fruitful just as God had said. It was indeed a land that was flowing with milk and honey. 
But you notice one key word in their report, and that's the word nevertheless. They're saying, however, yet, we sometimes say, but, nevertheless, is a word that is a signal for the excuse that is about to come. And watch out what comes after, nevertheless. What happens after they said, nevertheless? They begin to list the obstacles that lie before them. The people are strong. The cities are large and fortified. The land devours its inhabitants. They are giants. And we were, and of course it's helpful in quotations, in our own sight, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. So that's sort of the synopsis of the report. Giants. Let's notice number two, the reaction. Their reaction, all three of these words, will begin with the letter M. The first word is moan. The first word is moan, beginning in Numbers chapter 14, moving to chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. The reaction of the people to the report of the ten spies. So all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Three words. Number one, moan. Notice the immediate effect the report of the ten spies had on the people. They lifted up their voices and they cried. They whimpered and whined all night. They began to moan about what the situation was. And I hope that you can begin to see how we react, similar to how they reacted very often when something is a little bit negative or something is a little bit difficult. Number one, they moaned. Number two, we see murmuring. Murmur. Murmur. After the people got through moaning, they began to murmur. If only we had died in Egypt or died in the wilderness. They complained that their wives and children were going to be slain and plundered. And they even went so far as to complain that they were better off in harsh bondage in Egypt. You may have heard me say this before, but, but I find this as one of the, the harshest things that could ever be said. You know, we talk about looking a gift horse in the mouth, as we sometimes say. God has provided. They have witnessed these miracles in front of their faces. And yet within days even, or maybe within a couple of years, they have forgotten. And they begin to moan and murmur, which leads to number three, mutiny. The moaning and turned into murmuring, and the murmuring grew into outright mutiny. Let us select a leader and return to Egypt, the people plotted against Moses. Moses later told of this rebellion, and he says in Deuteronomy chapter 1, Deuteronomy chapter 1 verses 25 through 28, that the rebellion was not just against Moses, it was against God. He says there, it is a good, that they brought back words saying it is a good land which the Lord has given, our God is giving us. Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. <clears throat> and so we notice that they are not just rebelling against Moses, they're rebelling against God. But it's not God that the mutiny is against, of course, it is against Moses. Let us select a leader and let us go back to a terrible, awful situation. So we go further. We see the report. We see the reaction. Let's notice number three, the result. The result, if you have your outline in front of you, there is failure. Failure. 
The rebellion caused the generation that had come out of Egypt to fail to gain the promised land. If you're still there in Numbers, Numbers chapter 14, verses 27 through 35. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel have made against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb and Joshua, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and your, sh your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness." We'll pause right there for the sake of time. But God, in essence, gives the people what they asked for. Notice in verse 2 of chapter 14, they asked to die in the wilderness. If only we had died in Egypt, if only we had died in this wilderness. And what is God going to do? He's going to answer their prayers. He says in verses 28 and 29, you will not enter the land. You will die in the wilderness. Do you remember in Numbers chapter 14 and verse number 3, they complained that their children would die. God answered their prayers. Numbers 14 and verse 31, he says, But your little, one, little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. The result of their reaction and their report was failure. They saw the giants, and they felt as if they were grasshoppers, and they failed. Let's take a turn here and think about the giants that we sometimes can think about today. Consider the Christian life for just a moment and let's draw a parallel, if you will, with the children of Israel. Through the mercy and grace of God, Christians are delivered from the bondage of sin and the taskmaster Satan with the mighty hand of God. That, of course, is through the resurrection of Christ. Paul would speak about this twice in Romans, especially Romans chapter 6. Romans 6 6 and 7, he says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Notice the parallel here, first of all, that just as they were in bondage to Egypt, we were, or sometimes are, in bondage to sin. Romans 6, 17 and 18, But God be thanked, though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which, to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So as Israel was delivered from slavery to freedom, from slavery to freedom, we as well are delivered from darkness to light. They were doing that through the Red Sea. Likewise, we are delivered through baptism in Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse number 2, in fact, Paul gives a reference to this. He says, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. That's not the baptism that saves, but we see the parallel here. Once again, Romans 6, 3 and 4 this time. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him 
through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. They were in bondage. We were in bondage. They passed through the water. We passed through the water. And now, just as they stood ready to enter the sweet rest of the promised land, we stand ready to enter the sweet rest of heaven that remains to the children of God, who are full of zeal, full of love. And we proclaim together all that the Lord commands us we will do. We have seen the promises, right? Just as they saw the promises and they brought back the fruit, we don't go to heaven and come back, but we have seen the promises of inheritance that awaits us. The captain of our salvation, Jesus, has gone before us. What will we do? Here comes that word again, nevertheless. How many people pause and hesitate in uncertainty? Nevertheless, yet, however, but... Get ready for trouble because here comes the excuses. Yes, we have seen the land, and we confess that it is a good land. We have also seen the obstacles that stand between us and our inheritance. The people are strong. The cities are large and fortified. The promise devours, and there are giants, and we are but grasshoppers in our own sight. You see, I only gave you the first part of the outline there if you have your bulletin. But notice that our report is the same very often as their report. And the report is... Giants. What are our giants? Well, we might say, number one, work. Too often Christians are ready to possess the promises of God, but then they confront a little four-letter word called work. And there we saw the giants. Great work to do, and we were as grasshop- in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. We have to be about work. In Philippians chapter 2, in verse number 12, Paul would say, therefore, my beloved brethren, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, here's the word, work out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He would say to those in Colossae, Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Some people do not like the word work. Well, how do we know that? Well, I would say it's not necessarily the case always here. But maybe you've been a part of a congregation before. You say, we're going to have a work party. And all of a sudden the numbers tend to drop, right? Announce plans that we're going to start a new effort to do personal work. And all of a sudden everybody's too busy. It seems like we sometimes struggle with the idea of working. Work is a giant, and we are as grasshoppers. What about some others? What about number two, the idea of teaching others? Some people say, well, I can't do that. I don't know enough. I could never study the Bible with someone. Teaching others becomes this giant, and we become as grasshoppers, by the way, in our own eyes. Well, you can't attain that. We're too small for that. What about attendance to services? What about giving? What about the little distractions that sometimes seem very little of life, of our job, of our busy work? They become giants in our eyes. What about our family? Sometimes we allow family to become an obstacle to the eternal promise. Sometimes we even allow other members to stand in the way of us being faithful. 
All of these things allow our report, just as the children of Israel had the same report of giants. There's a problem with giants. Well, let's notice secondly, you don't have to fill in any more blanks because it's the same ones. What's our reaction? Very often we're like the ten spies. All we see are the obstacles and the problems and soon we begin to moan. Many Christians faced with these things, confronted with them, we lift up our voices and we cry all night long. We cannot face it. We will not go up. And the progress of our spiritual lives and the progress of the church is stopped in its tracks because we simply act like we can't do it. Our religion has lost its power in a sense. And I like the way one preacher said it one time, the only hymn that we sometimes sing then is, I shall not be moved because I'm not going anywhere and there's nothing that I can do. That's the way that we sometimes moan. But we don't stop there. Our moaning then, of course, leads secondly to the murmuring. After moaning, the murmuring begins. Murmuring over the little things in life that irritate us, that detract from our work and destroy us. We have dissatisfaction over everything and anything concerning other Christians, concerning the church and the preacher. A story told about uh, some Christians that came to a new congregation they moved in with a, a couple moved in with three young children and began attending the congregation. At first, they were noticed as a welcome addition, strong workers. But after getting to know them better, they, people began to realize there was something very wrong. Every time you were around them, all they could do was complain. The congregation was awful and backward. The preacher was horrible. The classes were no good. How good and how much better things were back where they used to be. Why did we ever leave? We can't wait to get out of here. And their attitude and grumbling affected several others and, of course, began to spread among the congregation. How often we look upon the grumbling of, that we do as a little sin, right? I'm not a murderer. You know, I don't do any of those bad things. Grumbling, it's just, it's just not, not a big deal. We don't worry about that. But how often do we look upon grumbling as a little sin and we don't try to keep it in check in ourselves and do, we don't... We only look for it sometimes, just very rarely. It's ready to spring upon us at all hours of the day. Under the slightest, slightest little thing is all it takes for us to get going on that. The preacher preaches too long. The singing is too slow. Such and such family or snobs, they, they ignore everyone. No one's friendly to me. And next thing you know, we're like those children of Israel. Trace Israel's downward course in the book of Numbers from discontent to lust despising the Lord, speaking against his servants, provoking, tempting, doubting God, rebellion, presumption, discouragement, all that going all the way down to idolatry simply began with grumbling and complaining. So what happens? There's moaning, there's murmuring, and then of course number three, there's mutiny. When the moaning and murmuring and complaining subsides, mutiny sets in. The problems are too great and we are small. There are giants, and we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. The rebellion spreads, and overnight, ten men converted a camp of over two million people to unbelief. Have you ever been a part of a congregation that, became a, that went from a great congregation and became embittered and destroyed? So, what's our result? You see, there is the same word used here. Our result? Failure. When we view our problems bigger than ourselves and we remove God from the picture, our failure is inevitable. 
and the downward spiral of moaning and murmuring and mutiny will take us to a level of grasshoppers in our own sight and in the sight of our giant problems. So let's talk very quickly then about the right reaction. If you have your bulletin in front of you, what was the right reaction? You may want to go back to numbers if you turned away. The first thing we would notice is action. All of these words, by the way, will start with an A. Action. Caleb says in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well to overcome it. Let us take action. Instead of boning, we need action. No hesitation, no backsliding, but determination and enthusiasm. Caleb and Joshua, they had tasted. They had tasted the promised land and no obstacle, no strong city, not even giants were going to stop them from entering the promised land. We need action, not moaning, murmuring, and mutiny, but number one, action. Number two, we need assurance, assurance. Moses then says, we go forward to Numbers chapter, excuse me, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 29 through 30. Deuteronomy 1, 29 through 30. Then Moses said, Then I said to you, Do not be terrified or be afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Once again, remember, Moses is taking the right course of action. He says, Remember. Remember and take assurance. Murmuring is the coward's way of showing dissatisfaction to what's going on around them. It shows a lack of faith. What we need is bold, courageous faith. The assurance and the confidence that God is with us and that age-old question, who can stand against us? Number one, we need action. Number two, we need assurance. Number three, we need allegiance. Allegiance. Better spell it out or my kids are going to be mad at me, right? A-L-L-E-G. I-A-N-C-E, allegiance. In the face of a, a mutinous mob, Joshua and Caleb showed their faith and allegiance to the Lord, and they boldly stood their ground. Numbers 14, verses 8 through 9. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they, they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. We need to humbly submit to God's will. We need to have allegiance to his cause. And, of course, you may have already figured out the word's going to change, right? If that's the right reaction, our reaction, what's God's result? God's result is success. Not failure, but success. Submitting to God's will and serving God's way will succeed with God's win. God's result is success. When we serve him, we stay close to him, we humble ourselves in his sight, we can have that great success. Now, we're about to conclude. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to one New Testament passage with me. It's Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse number 7. Because the Hebrew writer is going to take this example of 
what happens when we submit to God's will and we serve God in his way. And the Hebrew writer uses the example of the rebellion in the wilderness to warn and exhort us today. Hebrews 3 and verse number 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware then, brethren. Notice if your Bible has the offset text there. Coming back to the words of the Hebrew writer. Beware, brothers and sisters. Me, right now, if you can hear my voice, beware, brethren. Beware, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Therefore, watch this, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. When the time comes that we are faced with obstacles to faith's goal, what do we see? I'd like to share with you a little poem that I found one time that discusses the song that we sometimes sing with our children. If you've been a part of our Vacation Bible School, we've sung it before. We'll sing it again in a couple of weeks, God be willing. Ten saw bad and two saw good. Ten men who failed to see God saw cities impregnably high. Two men, looking off unto God, saw doom for those cities draw nigh. Ten men who failed to see God saw giants affrightingly tall. Two men, looking off unto God, saw giants as grasshoppers small. Ten men who failed to see God reported were certain to fail. Two men, looking unto God, cried, Up, for with God we will prevail. Ten men who failed to see God discouraged their brother men. Two men perceived God as everywhere. Are you a part of the two or a part of the ten? Giants and grasshoppers. How do we see ourselves as we face this life we face the obstacles of this life, such as the giants that we listed a few moments ago. Do you see yourself as the grasshopper, or do you see those giants as the grasshopper, and we are the giants with God on our side? As we conclude this lesson, we extend heaven's invitation. You see, the Hebrew writer could take an Old Testament example and tell us even still today, do not fall into the fear as they did. Do not fall into their unbelief 
as they did, but stay strong in the Lord. Follow Him. Trust in Him. This morning, you can begin that relationship with God and that journey by becoming a child of God, putting your faith in Him, being baptized for the remission of your sins so that He can add you to His church. You can begin to live faithfully. And here's the beauty of it. You're no longer alone. Not only do you have the power of Christ and the power of God, but you have a brand new family that loves you, will help you, and wants to care for you. So that we do not see ourselves growing like the ten did, but we go from two to four and so on and so forth. And we are faithful to God, serving him. Maybe you're here and you've witnessed that. You've done that. You've become a child of God, but you've struggled in life. You've struggled to remain faithful. Maybe that doubt has creeped in. We sing as well to encourage you that you would come back to the fold. Come back to God. That you would be faithful once again by repenting of your sins. Praying for forgiveness to God. He is faithful and just to do just that. We are thankful for the opportunity to be giants. Being faithful to him and serving him. This morning if you are not a child of God. Or you are a Christian who has wandered away. We sing to encourage you, even now as we stand together and as we sing.